I'm raising the stakes right now. This is a poker game. I'm shoving my chips to the middle of the table. I'm raising the ante. Anybody wants in, get in. Anybody wants out, can get out. That's right. It's time to get in. It's time to get out. It's 3 one the New York Giants 2022 season. We have a preseason game coming up manana against the venerable and vaunted New England Patriots. Lombardi, a certain magic still lingers with the name. Here always with OGR Sports. Coming in here live. We're going to talk about this preseason game. We're going to talk about training camp. We're going to talk about everything under the sun that 45 minutes can hold. Mr. OGR, how are we today? I am doing dapper as usual. Dapper. I would say more dashing, but that's just me. <laughs> so what's going on, Tim? What Not, do you, got for me? you know what? A lot's going on. You got training camp. We're two weeks into training camp. You got a preseason game on Thursday against the Pats, of course. That's Thursday, I believe, at 7. We have have Daniel Jones, if you want to be polite about it or political about it, not having a good camp. You got the defense, looks like it's rising to the challenge, but I I, I said it before and I was laughing because I was watching the movie. um, uh, I I was watching the movie We Are Marshall about the, the Marshall plane crash and how they rebuilt the team. And there's a scene that it just it just kind of reminds me of things, and it's... A huge problem on the O-line, Coach. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's because the defensive line is so spectacular. No. So the, so the question is, are, is our defensive line really doing well? Or is it because they're going up against what could actually be considered a poor to below average offensive line because you're starting four new starters. You have right now on the unofficial depth chart, you have Shane Lemieux starting. You have John Feliciano who has a hard time staying healthy and it looks like, and he's been pushed around a little bit. You got Glowinski who is supposed to be the big acquisition, but is he a systems guy? We don't know. And you got Evan Neal who is, who, who is rightfully struggling in his rookie camp because he is a rookie. He switched numbers and got the jinx away from him. So I'm, I'm happy about that. But if we take a look, I want to examine the two units here, the offensive line and defensive line. Is the offensive line that bad, or is the offense defensive line that good? I think it's a combination of both, really. I mean, going back to the whole Marshall thing, even though I don't want to spend too much time, name the two most famous Marshall players you know in recent history. Randy Moss and Tamad Bradshaw. And Brian Leftwich. Yes, the hefty left. No, he's not. not well, not Brian. That's a hefty lefty. was watching with Jared Lorenzen. I like Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich went to the Jacksonville Jaguars. There was the game at Marshall where they had to carry him to the line of scrimmage so he could throw the ball. They referred to him in the stands as radio from the movie with Cuban Gooding Jr. That's how mean they were in Jacksonville. He never got his due. He got replaced by David Gerard, you know, a couple times. And now he's been the offensive coordinator, and he's a hiccup away from getting a head coaching job. Yep, absolutely. But getting on back to the line, defensive line, I just wanted to make that little statement on Marshall. Um, it's a combination of both. I do think our defensive line, as far as a unit, is probably the best unit of overall. I, I think you would agree on that, too, as far as talent and potential on the field. Um, offensive line, we are weak at center, left guard, right guard, and we have right tackle that's struggling. <laughs> There's no but beyond that, everything's fine. And we have a left tackle with a bad ankle. And we have a left tackle with a bad ankle. So, yeah, it, it's a lot of it's to do with a bad offensive line. We'll see more when Wink's attacking defense goes up against the Patriots. But I would have to say it's a combination of at least, at least 
an average starting defensive line versus a terrible offensive line, and that's basically what you have. So if you you have you have thirty two teams in the league. I mean, where would you think right now the Giants in preseason, and, and you know, and these are only preseason rankings. Where would you think the Giants' offensive line would rank? Thirty first. Thirty first. Who would be thirty second? Jets. <laughs> well, with Makai Becton going out, it looks like he's out for the year. It, it could be. It could be an interesting situation. I get concerned that there is an overhype in regards to, and we've talked about this about overhype with Kayvon Thibodeau. And a lot of it's he's brought upon himself. He's talking about getting 17 sacks, leading the Giants to the NFC East championship, or, or taking, or winning, or, or you know, winning the NFC East. And I like, you know, you got you gotta like bravado, but sometimes bravado needs to be backed up with reality. You know, you're asking, he's asking a lot from himself as a rookie to come in here and take Lawrence Taylor esque type heroics. For, for this team. And I worry that sometimes overconfident overconfidence is built because you are putting a whooping on nice way to put it, an offensive line that you see daily, that you know, the tendencies and you know, the strengths and deficiencies of each of the players. It's going to be different when we strap it on, on Thursday. It, absolutely. And that's what we're all looking forward to. Where, where is this giants team in retrospect to the Patriots? Cause you know, the Patriot team, regardless of how good or bad you may think they are, um, is going to be fundamentally sound. Yep. That is the mark of a good Patriot team. Um, I think a lot of it, and people are going to be like, no, don't say that about Mr. Belichick. Um, a lot of it was Tom Brady. Right. But- oh, no, you have, to, you have to give Tom Brady his. What has Belichick done since Brady's left? Nothing. Exactly. And that, that I think Belichick is slowly working his way out the door because I have to say most of it's Tom Brady, but I do expect a sound uh, – Patriot team, it's a good test. Obviously, it's a playoff team. So it's good to see where the Giants stack up against the Patriots. I expect the Patriots to be the more talented team. Right. But it's preseason, so you're only going to probably see how, how I believe that you'll probably see the starters. I mean, Shane and I mean, excuse me, Dable's already come out and said that his guys are playing. I don't know how long. I personally think they're going to go two series. Two offensive series, two defense, two defensive series. Wait, how how long do you think the the Dables going to keep these guys in there? I'd like to see to at least a half. Really, on the yeah. first on the first preseason game. There, there's no there to me. There's no excuse anymore. There's no like dress rehearsal or anything. It's three preseason games. So, I think offense play the starting offense should play each uh, at least the starting half of each game and possibly go almost to the fourth quarter in, in the final or second game. That, that's the way I look at it. You need your team prepped. And you already said, okay, well, it's going to take five weeks for this team to fully understand this offense and fully get themselves underneath. Five, four to five weeks. Why wouldn't you put the starting offense out there? Injuries. Kadarius yeah. Tony is, is – is, he's already missed half the practices. You have Wanda Robinson at 5'8". Sterling Shepard's still not able to play. You're going to put out like this David Bachman and Alex Bachman and David Sills. I mean, you're not going to, you're not, Kenny G has already proven he, he hasn't been able to make it through a full season in two years. I mean, I would be, Saquon, you're not going to risk Saquon Barkley. I remember Saquon Barkley's rookie year where he played his very first preseason, preseason game because I was there. He took two snaps. One of them was like for a yard, the other one was like for a 45 yard run. And they took him out of the game. Yep. So, I mean, I can't, I can't see, I mean, 
back in the day when there was four preseason games, people forget long, long time ago, there used to be five preseason games. Five. But when there was four, you know, the first game you played a series. The second game you played maybe into the second quarter. The third game you played into the half. And then the fourth game was evaluations for your you know guys from 47 to 53 on the roster. And, and that's what I think this should be. I, I could see – I would like to play, see at least the first quarter. Okay, I'm kind of changing it up a little bit, but I'd like to see at the very least the first quarter for the starting offense. Okay, and then the second game, first and second quarter, and then you know third game if you want to do evaluation for the rest of the team, do it. Now, what are you expecting, or what are you hoping for at a number eight? At a number eight? Yeah. Hmm. Well, I mean the spec. I mean, there's strong speculation there over the last couple of days. And I mean, we don't even know if number eight's going to be starting. To be totally honest with you, he, they they said he was going to. It looks like they said he's going to be starting. He's going to play. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, he, he's going to play. Um, he had another bad practice the other day, and the people that apologize, you know, we call them the apologists for Daniel Jones. Basically, said he threw all those interceptions because Brian Dable told him to throw to his primary receiver no matter what. Okay, and yeah. I, Dable mm-hmm. I, Dable did come out and you know kind of you know kind of address that statement by saying yes, it's true, but they were working on certain things. Um, but to me, an interception is an interception. You need to throw unless you're throwing contested balls. You need to throw. We've talked about this before in the NFL. You need to create your own passing window. You need to throw your wide receivers open, and you also need to know that if you're not in position to make the proper play, you throw the ball away. Absolutely, and and I think that I think that is you know that and that's breaking it down into its its simplest form. You know, it's much more complicated than that. But I just have a feeling, like I said, personally, me, I want to see at least three to four series, which I don't think will happen. I want to like to see three to four series with Daniel Jones. I would like him to show some decision making ability, and I would like them to open not open the you never open up the playbook fully. When you go into preseason, but I like them to open up, you know, it's one of those things. You got a sports car, you know, sometimes you got to, you know, you got to feed some speed to your ride. You know, let's see, let's take, let's take a couple deep shots. Let's show, let's show a little motion. Cause if you, did you see the blue and white scrimmage? I saw highlights. I didn't get a chance to watch it fully. Like some may have, uh, we did talk about it the other day and I, you know, I was asking questions when I was on your live stream, right. you know, to get some information. But again, Daniel Jones looked terrible. So. He looked terrible. There was there was all the motion that people had been drooling over in, in the in training camp was not even there. And and I love it because people are I think we can all agree the complexity of the Kafka slash Dable offense is probably at a higher level than Jason Garrett's. What what they had what Jason Garrett had this kid running. And I get concerned that you are going to be asking him to do more when he technically couldn't do less in 2021. A lot of contributing factors. Now, I'm not being a Daniel Jones apologist here, but it's going to sound a little bit. But, okay, terrible offensive line. And I know you're going to use the Joe Burr. You're going to use the Joe Burr excuse. I'm also going to use the held on to the ball fourth longest in the league. Yeah, and that's fine and dandy. But let's face it. Daniel Jones isn't Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow has proven by a shadow of a doubt that he's one of the top five what, quarterbacks. What 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 where, what spot did Joe Burrow's go? In the draft? Number one overall. And what spot did Daniel Jones go? Six. So they were both taken in the top ten, five spots between each other. So there okay. should be there should be okay. some 
No, there should be some similarities because you're, exactly. ta- you're, you're not taking on the top six. Daniel Jones sucks, but here's what I'm trying to say. I'm glad okay. I got you to say it. <laughs> so does the rest of the offense. We don't know and that yet. A, a rookie, a, basically a rookie offensive coordinator going up against a polished defensive coordinator that's run top 10 defenses in the league. Like, that's a contributing factor, too. How much you want to contribute that to Daniel Jones or whatnot? Until, I mean, until I see, you know, Tyrod Taylor overwhelmingly outperforming Daniel Jones, I'm not talking about second-team offense here versus second-team defense. I'm talking about, and Tyrod Taylor has gone with the number ones, but is it that big of a jump? I he, haven't seen it He yet. did play much better than Daniel Jones in the blue and white game, the blue and white scrimmage. But how much was that with the starting offensive line? But that's the, but that's the problem. He, Tyrod Taylor didn't have the starting offensive line, and he still outperformed against the starting defense. Yep. Also going up against the second tier defense. Now mm. you might add some starters in. You had some starters in. I saw, you saw some starters in there. I know you're. I know you're a Daniel Jones lover, and I and I, and I don't want. I don't want to break. And I don't want to break the news to people. <laughs> that, to me, and I've said this before, and I've said it. I've leaned on in the podcast. It's irrelevant what Daniel Jones does to me because I think the Giants are going to replace him regardless. Right. Because I, I think the Giants moving forward, I think Dable and Shane, they'll never say this during the season, but their eyes are toward next season and drafting. Oh, yeah. They're, they're never they, – they, they, first of all, they can't admit it because then you're going to lose the fan base or you will lose a segment of the fan base. But, that, I mean, that's the reality. If you're a Giants fan thinking that Daniel Jones is a long-term answer, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry to break it to you, but he hasn't shown you nothing in three years. He's shown you nothing. And great quarterbacks are able to overcome bad situations. Exactly. And the real determining factor of a quarterback is. But I'm not going to sit there because I have something later, Tim, and I'm not going to bring it up now no matter how much you bet. And I'm going to prove something to you. But we'll get into that later. I wasn't flip-flopping. <laughs> Because I already know, I already know where you're going. I see my, my mind works like a steel trap. I already know where you're going, and you know what? You're not going to win. <laughs> you, might, you, you might as well. You might as well just go with it now and get it out of the way. Because I already have so many different rebuttals. Because so many, some someone else tried to bring it up, and then I talked to them, and they're like, "Oh my god, you're 100 percent right." <laughs> you're like, I didn't even think about it that way. So just gonna, just gonna let you know. <laughs> just gonna let you know. Okay, I've come, go. I've come. Prepared. I okay. We'll see how prepared you are because I, I don't think you, I'm always. Pre- you, I'm always prepared. I don't, I don't think you know where I'm going. I don't think you do. It doesn't we'll matter. I don't lose. <laughs> That's the beauty of me. I don't lose. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm. I'm what I refer to as a winner. <laughs> but unlike you know, just like the Giants, I'm a winner. And the one of the other things that I need to you know, we probably are going to be looking at this Thursday is going to be the corners, the cornerback positions. I don't think – I think Dory Jackson maybe plays a series, but considering he is the your only true CB1 or technically your only true proven corner, I don't think he's going to be out there very long. I think you have – you know, you're going, to, you're going to see Rodarius Williams and Aaron Robinson go at it quite a bit. You're going to see Corda Flott in the mix. But the biggest question I have is Darnay Holmes. He's played so well 
in camp. He's he's become the ball hawk. He's be, he's become Mr. Turnover. How long do you play Darney Holmes? I mean, seriously. I mean, because of the fact that you are probably going to already re, you're just from his camp currently, you are probably going to definitely be relying on him as your starting slot corner. And there's not a lot of depth to be. There's not a lot of quality depth behind these positions, either the CB one or the slot. I think what you're going to do is you're going to be constantly moving these corners in and out. Um, you're going to, you know, give Cordell Flot, you know, a series or two. Maybe you put Darnay Holmes back in there and you just, you're just moving pieces around this way. Everybody gets a test, but you're not keeping them out overwhelmingly one player over another trying to reduce injury, which it's going to happen regardless. Yeah. Well, in, 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 you know, the old injury bug always comes around. I mean, you, and honestly, you don't really, you don't really get as many injuries as you think during preseason. There are always, there are some, there are some horrific ones, but the percentages are the percentages are pretty low. And people, I, don't, I was on the uh, NFL Players Association website because I did a video in reference to how, you know, with the lack of contact and the, which was supposed to be for a protection of the players, that injuries have not dropped exponentially. In some cases, they have actually risen. In certain types of injuries, because and I've always said, you know, you need to be conditioned for contact, and a lot yeah. of these guys aren't because of the fact that you there's there's no substitute for getting hit, you know, or 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 taking a hit, and I think they're doing these teams a disservice by only allowing eleven pattern practices, you know, during the preseason. Excuse me, yeah, during training camp, and I think when you're relying on these preseason games to work on technique and work on instituting your game plans for both of your offense and defense, that's a lot to ask now for these players in, in 2022. Absolutely. No, I, I, I'm not saying go back to two a days, but I am saying you do need to be conditioned to hit, you know, not to interject what I've been doing, but um, I recently volunteered to start coaching U seven and they give us 10 hours of conditioning for these kids and then another 10 hour conditioning with helmets and pads. And then after that, it's these kids are going to be hitting in almost every practice. I mean, that, that you need to be conditioned. I mean, yes, they're learning the game of football and maybe people don't disagree. Oh, you seven, you shouldn't even be out there. Well, I mean, to each their own, but you know, they're in pop Warner and they're going to be hitting every practice. Right. What's wrong with the pros doing that? What? Because they've done it since pop Warner, because they've done it in college. I mean, they hit more in college probably now than they do even in the pros. Like, you need to be conditioned to take hits. Yeah. You need to know how to fall. And people don't even think about that. Well, know how to fall? Yeah. <laughs> you need to know how to fall. I mean, I, I, I mean, I was a black belt, believe it or not, in Taekwondo. Not Taekwondo. Um, Kempo. Um, and one of the first things they teach you in Kempo is how to fall. Right. Like, that's what you need to do. Or you're going to get injuries. I absolutely believe it's doing a disservice to the players. It's doing a disservice to the coaches. And I think you'd have better technique in the NFL because I have. I will argue the technique in the 80s and early 90s is better then oh. than it is now. No, 100%. I mean, if you really want to go crazy, if, you, if sure. you really want to go crazy about it, if you really want to go to the crazy about the technique in the 50s and the 60s were 10 times better than the 80s and the 90s and now. Because of the fact that you know you you look at videos of Sam Huff, you know he, he those should be videos of how except when he you know, except when they played a little dirty, uh, but those should be videos on how to tackle 
at the linebacker position. I mean, literally, if you watch some of the old films, I mean that that is how you should play middle linebacker, and that's how you should tackle, and that and that should be your technique. But everyone's, you know, you, you got the chest bump. I always love you get you know you got the half you got the half arm rock. You got the push. You know, like I refer to it as nobody's no one's doing well. Not no, not no one. There's there's certain players that still know how to tackle, but no one ever no one understands the nuances of you know leading with your shoulder, wrapping up, driving with your legs, and putting your whole body into the motion of taking someone down to the turf. And not only that, like there's a sport where golf. tackle frisbee golf. They they golf. <laughs> arguably the NFL and they have zero pads on. It's called rugby, and they have better technique than football players. Because right. a rugby tackle is the same as a football tackle. There's literally no difference. The fact of the matter is the rugby guys know how to fall, and they know how to tackle, and they hit more. Right. Well, there's, there, yeah, once you get out of scrum, there's always con- There's always contact. Exactly. And it's like, what's wrong with having this in, in professional uh, professional football? I don't get it. It, it just it annoys the piss out of me. At the end of the day, when Thursday's wrapped up, Giants are walking off the field. What is what? What do you want to be your takeaways? What are the three things you want to sit there and say? Okay, I saw this, or I didn't see this, or I wish I would have saw that. I want to have some sort of continuity, knowing there's a team there, and there's players that I can say, okay, this player is better than I thought, or this player can step up and do the job I thought this player can do. The confidence that. Shane or Dable may present or the in-house giant media presents, it better match up with what I see on the field. Or you're going to have a serious problem on your hands come Thursday if the Patriots beat you, you know, their second and third stringers beat you 43-0. to zero. I know it's a preseason game. I want to see the Giants competitive across the board. Second, third, first string. That's a gr- that's a great question. That, that that's a that's a great thing. We've we've talked about this ad nauseum, and and I've been pointing this out since since we went back to mini camps, voluntary mini camps. The Giants organization has taken it upon itself, in in some regards, I believe, in over protecting or being overprotective of how they're controlling the narrative of what you see in practice. You know, a limit. You know, limiting. Beat writers access, you know, not allowing people to technically film certain sessions that, you know, I've had people that have gone to training camp and are sitting in the stands and had security yell at them because they were filming, you know, what was going on. Um, And you can you can control. And I've said this a million times. I said this about Joe Judge. You can control the narrative to a point. But once the narrative does not equal the reality, that's when fans start getting upset. So is there is is there a a a issue that potentially like you were saying the Giants could get beat by the Scrubs 33-14 that all of a sudden we're going to we're going to start questioning what comes out of Giant camp? Yeah, I think so. No, no, that's absolutely absolutely going to happen and you're going to have a ridiculous backlash because, you know, you've been trying to project to Giants Nation and beat writers this team's better than you think. This team's better than you think. Oh, Daniel Jones is struggling. Don't worry about it. Well, <laughs> we better see it on Thursday. We better, we better, we better see improvement on Thursday. Because if we don't, <laughs> there's there's going to be some. There's Pat Leonard of the Daily News. Not a lot of people hate him. I'm not sure anyone likes him, but a lot of people hate him. And and I did a video about him. Uh, I think last week or two weeks ago, and I said that he is a necessary evil for this team. 
Absolutely. Because of the fact that if you go on his Twitter account, if you go see what he writes, he reminds me of the old, you know, old Dick Young from the New York Daily News, um, and he he just he 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 asks the questions that you know they don't want to answer. Sometimes I, I brought up the point and I played the press conference clip where he basically asked Brian Dable about Daniel Jones and you know everything that was going on and. You know, Dable gave him this look of disgust and kind of gave him a snarky answer for a minute and a half. And I kept thinking to myself as this was going on that you could run into a if you do not get the new if you are a bad team and you do not get the New York media behind you, it's going to turn around ugly and get ugly quick. And I said the same thing about Joe Judge. You can't do the Harry High School shit. And not win because if you don't win, the media is going to rip you to shreds. Forget about the fan base; the media is going to kill you. And Absolutely. I and I get worried in some regards that they are trying so much to keep everything in a box that sooner or later the box is going to get too full and bust out at the seams. And because you've been basically keeping the beat writers at bay with basically propaganda, that's what the Giants me- That's what the Giants in-house media is doing. That's what the Giants are doing. I mean, it's going to get ugly even worse because now these beat writers have been itching, itching to write stuff that fans are going to just gobble up. I mean, less so more, you know, less now than it was in the 80s and 90s where you obviously have Twitter and the Internet and fans come up with their own narratives. But people still read beat writers. You know, they they are closer to the team, if you will. Well, but back, me, back in the 80s and 90s, that's don't, all you had. Yeah. yeah. Dan Graziano, when he was the beat writer for you, nobody was worse. That guy had nothing ever positive to say about the Giants ever. And how the hell he moved up at ESPN is beyond me. You cannot be negative all the time. And uh, everybody used to call him Doomsday Dan, and he was Doomsday Dan. Um, 11,000 subscribers were on the line. Big Blue will tell you you're wrong. You can't be negative all the time. <laughs> okay. Tim, you're not negative all the time. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you know what? Evidently, you don't read my comment section. <laughs> and, and you I, don't read the other comment section. <laughs> I only imagine what they say about me. Oh, my God. You know, it's funny. There's And I've talked about this before on YouTube. There's, you, there's your regular comment section. And then they have a section now that's, you know, uh, that's titled, you know, potentially offensive. <laughs> so I click on that a lot because I'm just curious to see what, you know, a comment that you also have to approve because they might be offensive. And I love those because once you get in there, there's another tab that is like offensive to the offensive tab. I like to refer to it as where, where the bad, bad comments just go. And I was telling, I was telling someone the other day, I, I like reading them, but if I wasn't me, if I was somebody else, I, I might be like really sad and upset <laughs> at some of the things people say. No, I see the way I handled it is trolls don't like to be called out. Right. Even if you were a troll, I had a small channel. I don't care. I'll call you out on camera. I'll address your comment and I'll tell you why you're wrong on camera. And when a troll usually sees us on camera, you would think they'd go after worse. I had a lot of people. You know, click off my channel and never come back because I literally embarrass them on camera. Right. And I, I have no problem embarrassing people. That's the best way to fight trolls. Uh, embarrass. You know, see, I don't, I don't do that. That's just, that's just not nice. I'm a, I've, yeah, I've said, whoops, what happened? There? I'm a kinder, gentler Tim. I've already, I've already said that a million times now. Age has softened me. <laughs> I mean, I think we're, you know, kind of one in the same. 
that's why if guys don't realize this, if you're listening to podcasts first time, me and Tim didn't get along for a little while. And I know that's shocking. <laughs> I know it's shocking. Like we seem like best friends now, but there was a there was a time where I didn't like Tim and Tim did not like me. So see, that's not fair. I I never disliked you. Well, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll call it we'll call it dislike. No, I never disliked you. I don't dis I don't dislike people I disagree with. I don't, because you know what? Every anyone can disagree with things. Anyone anyone can have a disagreement. I oh, don't okay. like I don't like people that come after me, because <laughs> then because then the switch then the switch goes on, and that that's not a nice switch. What switch are you referring to? I thought you were judging <laughs> That wasn't. That's what I said. That's a not. That's not a nice switch. I've I put that in. I put that in the lockbox. The nice switch. That switch. That switch is in the lockbox, and the key is thrown away. This is a kinder, gentler, gentler Tim at five twelve, when we were probably going to be <laughs> five and twelve. Because you know what, I'm going to be happy. I've said this before. I'm going to be happy. I got my season tickets back. I repaid my PSLs. What's that? I like you have your season tickets now, so you should be. You know, you should be a kinder, gentler Tim because you're the one that has to suffer through eight home games or whatever. But you know what? I'm. I don't see it that way. And this is why I get upset when people are like, "Look, you're so negative." I thought the team was so as good. I've said it a million times. I think the team's going to be very bad this year. And I went back and repaid thousands of dollars to get my seats back on my PSLs. And not, and not even to mention the seat price itself, the seats itself. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that if I thought the team was not going to have something going on, do you think I would have dropped all that cash just to go watch a bad product and not think there's something at the end of the tunnel? I, I, I think you think there's something at the end of the tunnel, but again, I don't trust John Mara. I don't. And even though he's made the correct decision with Dable and Shane, this is a first-time head coach. This is a first-time general manager. Not everything's going to be sunshine and roses. No, not at all. And you're potentially setting yourself up for things going bad very quickly. Um, I'll uh, be Joe Judge. You know, the man who should not be named because of what's going on with the protection of this team. And I just get it out of the way because this is obviously a first time head coach dealing with the media to a certain extent. Obviously, for an offensive coordinator, you have responsibility, you know, you have responsibilities to the media, but not to the extent that you do as a head coach. Right. Exactly. You don't don't have you don't have the same one. How is he going to handle the tough questions if, if they come Thursday? The Giants need to play well. And it's preseason. That's crazy to think. It's preseason to think. It's preseason to think the Giants need to play well. It's it. It just. It's one of those. But you know what? It's all. It's weird. It's like when people say this is. This, it's the second game of the season, and it's a must-win game. It's like, well, okay, it's the second win. The second game of the season. Yeah, not usually must-win games don't come in week two. But in some ways, you're right. The Giants need to play or show some competitiveness. Because Mac Jones has looked terrible in training camp. The only good thing about the only the only thing that looked good about Mac Jones' training camp would be, was his girlfriend. But so I mean that, that's how bad it is for him. So if he comes up and plays two series and puts up fourteen points, it it it, it could get to, like I said it could it could be an it could be an ugly transition quick for this team. Honestly, I think Bill Belichick's job. Goes with Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. He and drafted him. Does not develop into what 
Patriots fans think he should be, and I'm not saying the second coming Tom Brady, but you need a franchise quarterback, and that's a tough act to follow. And I, I'm going to leave it at that. Well, we we already know we already know that here. I mean, we we know we know that for 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 this team in regards to Daniel Jones, that it's one of, it's one of those things that it's you know you're, you're at the end of the day, you you got to you got to figure something out. And I'm going to admit this right now, even though if you looked at listen to my past videos, um, I sound like a total Daniel Jones homer because I would, I wanted kid three years. It didn't matter what he looked like. I wanted to give the kid three years. Right. I, any NFL player deserves three years unless you're doing something nefarious or, you know, you get in trouble with the law or, or you're, like, abusing, like, cocaine or something like that. Okay, no, you don't deserve that. But if you're showing up to practice, you're working, you're putting in the hard work, and you're supposed to be this uber-talented player, I have no problem giving any player three years. That's my personal feeling. Nefarious, trouble with the law, coke. You just described Lawrence Taylor. Okay. You just described you just described nineteen eighties okay. Lawrence Taylor. Okay, the tell on the field needs to be okay. Uh, okay, you got to got to preface these things. Hall of Fame worthy. Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame worthy. Okay, you got to preface these things because you know you just described one of the greatest linebackers or the one or the greatest linebacker and outside linebacker in NFL history. I know. Well, let's put it. He's the greatest defensive player to ever play the game. You, you, I, I, you know, I, I, I have that debate because I'm a huge Lawrence Taylor fan. I and I have that debate because you have to think about some of the greatest players that ever played. But he, 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 he was transitional in reference to, you know, the position of outside linebacker. They, there was never an outside linebacker like him and true like him about the things that he could do. So, yeah, but you know, people always forget, you know, there, there's, there's life beyond football after the eighties, you know, there, there was some, there were some pretty good guys that, you know, are in the hall of fame that forged the league itself. But if, to me, if you're looking at the greatest linebacker that ever lived, it's to me, it's Lawrence Taylor. If you're looking at the greatest defensive player of all time, you're, you're going to, you're going to open yourself up to some debate. Because it really depends on the era and the importance of the position in that era. I agree, but when I don't know, it's hard to it's hard to put into words. But when somebody revolutionizes the position and makes the offensive tackle, left tackle, the highest paid position or one of the highest paid positions in the NFL because of you, yeah. Well, some people say that Deion Sanders revolutionized the cornerback position. And if you look at his career, he 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 was the epitome or the definition of the shutdown corner. He basically termed, if you look at it, going back to when he came out of Florida State and went over to Atlanta, he basically coined that phrase. I mean, the beat writers coined that phrase around him. Oh, I mean, there's a lot of players you can look at. And, I mean, that's a debate for another show because I would love to get into Hall of Fame and what your thoughts of the Hall of Fame is and what actually happens. I would love to, but... I give you. I give it to you right now in in fifteen seconds. This this class is pretty much a joke. Oh, fast. The, the 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 qualifications or the moniker of Hall of Fame have been skewed over the last X amount of years. It's the same thing with the baseball no, no, Hall of Fame. It's been skewed more than that. I don't think people realize how skewed it's been because when we talk, and I'm going to use Eli Manning as an example. Shannon Sharp and Deion Sanders both had to answer the question a couple years ago when Eli Manning was getting ready to retire. Are, are basically forced to retire. Um, you need to be transcendent to, in order to be in the Hall of Fame. And I'm like, well, they already ruined, they already moved that goalpost 
years ago. What are you watching? Joe Namath has no business being in the Hall of Fame. I'm sorry. But if Number- if you break but if you break down Joe Namath's importance to the AFL and first quarterback to throw for over 4000 yards took that took Super Bowl number 3 yeah he he was he was in he was in an era of quarterbacks the quarterback you know like i said to me he he defined his era in reference to NFL starting quarterbacks and what he did to the NFL i mean that that's historic i mean that that's that, that brings me to my next point cuz you came into my trap if you will um we so the question a lot of guys ask now, can you tell the story of the NFL? And this is this is the moniker to get into people into the Hall of Fame. Can you tell the story of the NFL without this player? And, and this, in this like class, this, no, you, you, you could easily tell the story of the NFL with all these guys, without these guys. With these guys, yes. But I'm saying like Eli Manning, I don't think you can. That's why I think he gets but see, in. But see, Eli, Eli Manning doesn't get into the Hall of Fame just off – you know, the Super Bowls. Eli Manning's in the top 10 of every statistical passing category in the NFL. Eli yeah, Manning, yeah. Eli Manning threw for a 57,000 yards. Eli Manning, yes, did, have, you know, the two super, the end of the day for a player is to Super Bowl. But Eli yeah. Manning statistically threw for 4,000 yards like nine times, you know, threw for 20 above interceptions, like I think, I think 14 out of 16 years. So he's done, uh, people only focus on, what he did in the Super Bowl, but they don't look at the totality of what he did career-wise. You can't be in the top 10 of every single passing category and not been somewhat good. And, no, I, and, that, and people, that's why people get in the argument transcendence, and I, and I laugh because a lot of these players that say, oh, you need to be a transcendent, that's why I'm in the Hall of Fame. You weren't transcendent yourselves. Right. No, Shannon Sharp is good. He, he's very, very good. He's one of the best tight ends of all time. Would I necessarily called him transcendent? Because when I think transcendent, you transformed the position. I can say Deion Sanders did. I can say Lawrence Taylor. Did Shannon Sharp? There was guys doing what Shannon Sharp did before and, Shannon Sharp came into the league. Well, Shannon Sharp went, you know, he lost out because of via injury. That too. It, it wasn't It wasn't like, you know, uh, I mean, not, not Shannon Sharp. His brother. His brother lost out. His brother lost out via, via injury. Because I thought his brother was a better player than he was. But if you look at Shannon Sharp, again, you don't catch and run for over 10,000 yards in your career and over 60-something touchdowns, in your, 62 touchdowns in your career and have three you know, thousand yard seasons at the tight end position. Cause you got to remember Shannon Sharp came in the league in 1990. So a lot of the things that Shannon Sharp was doing in 93, you know, 93, 94, 95 had not really had not been seen before. Cause you had, you had the, you had the, you know, you had the likes of bigger lumbering tight ends. You know, you had the, like Mark Bavaro, you know, going, going back into the eighties, you know, you had Keith Jackson, you did, you did not have the pure athleticism, that this guy had, but did he, did he transcend the position? If you're going to, if you're going by the hall of fame in reference to just transcend transcending the position, there's gonna be like seven guys in the hall of fame. I, exactly. And that's, and that's what I mean. When these guys say this, it's really, can you tell the story of the NFL without this person? I can't tell the story of the NFL without Shannon Trump. I can't tell the story without Eli Manning or, or Peyton Manning or Deion Sanders. And that's what it is. Can you tell the story of this, of the NFL without this player? And that, that, that's to me, that's my moniker. And that's ones I've heard hall of fame voters who've had a hall of fame vote. That's their criteria. And I think we've moved the goalposts too far 
because we need to put people in every year. And the thing is, not every year do you really need to put somebody in. Well, they always do. They, you, know, you need to have the ceremony. you got to have the game. But people also have to remember, going back to Shannon, Shannon Sharp, you know, he, he was actually on the NFL's all-90s team as a starting tight end. But do we want to move on to my final thoughts? Do of course, you, you it is it is forty. Uh, what is it? It's forty minutes in. OGR has his final thoughts. We're all, we we've all been waiting for so, his pontification. The other day, not to shout out your channel again for the billionth time on this podcast, online big blue sports talk and entertainment. Um, I said you contradicted yourself, mm-hmm. and the reason I came up with that was. I've heard all offseason from you on your channel how this team is devoid of talent. Mm-hmm. Devoid of talent. Yep. Devoid of talent. Devoid of talent. Yep. And I think it's still devoid of talent. You would agree. Yep. Um, but I don't think two things can be true. I, I do believe – well, I should halt that for a second. I think two things can be true. You can have be devoid of talent and have a horrible quarterback. You could be devoid of talent and have a great quarterback. But there's no great quarterback coming to the New York Giants as of right now. No. And I don't see – now, going to the whole Daniel Jones thing, it sounds like I'm defending him, but I'm not. Because to me, what he does is meaningless to me. It really is. Um, There's nothing Daniel Jones is going to show me unless he just goes out and has a Hall of Fame season. He's not going to get an extension from the Giants unless he has a Hall of Fame season. Let's face it, he's not going to do it. Um, Sorry, you – crush everybody's dreams on that one you kill everyone's dreams but i don't think some of the quarterbacks you named would come in here and necessarily elevate this team because i'm not saying you said this team was going to be a playoff team you never stated never that. said that but you've said that a different quarterback could steal some games up to seven games could steal some games yes i and i disagree well that's not me being wrong that's not me being contradicting myself you being wrong, but I do think that you were contradicting yourself a little bit. No, I do think a different quarterback, and if you figure this is a weak NFC East, could come in and steal some wins because of the fact that if Daniel Jones puts up his clunkers, if Daniel Jones has his turnovers, if Dan- this, and I've said this a million times, I've said it over and over again, this entire season is predicated on how Daniel Jones plays. This could be a five-win team. This could be an eight-win team, but it's predicated on how he plays. My And the reason I wanted to bring in these other three quarterbacks, and I do think they would be a marked improvement over Daniel Jones, is because of the fact that if you look at the body of their work, they have the potential, and I think they more than have the potential, to squeak out some wins that Daniel Jones would probably lose, that he would either fumble, that he would throw the late interception, that he would choke. And I always, and I feel that, and I feel, and like I said, that's why I don't think it's a contradiction whatsoever because of the fact that if you, I just, no matter who the quarterback is from this team, I'm still saying five wins. Seven is going to be at the top of the spectrum. But I also think, you know what can happen? You could go below five. And I think with Daniel Jones, there is that potential that if he plays like he has played the last two seasons, that he could fall below that five level. And I think a quarterback who is, competent enough to play his position and understand that he has to play within himself and not cause the Jason Garrett and Joe judge. And I've said this before. I think Joe, I think Jason Garrett's offense was vanilla that last season because the edict came from down from Mount Joe judge and said, do not have Daniel Jones cost us these games. 
And in reverse, you have to look at 2022 and say, listen, what you need to do is you have to find someone to who, at the quarterback position that could potentially win these games. Because if you go back into the annals of, of sports history, there has been, I think I could think of eight teams right off the top of my head who were bad teams, who were bad teams the year before, had a good season, made the playoffs, and sucked last and sucked the next season because of the quarterback play. You got to look at the 14 Panthers. You got to look at the 16 Detroit Lions, the 2010 Seattle Seahawks, the, the, uh, the what's it called, 1991 Jets, the 2011 Broncos, the 81 uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. Those were guys that got a quarterback play that helped them win games and not lose games. And sometimes that's what the whole situation is about. It's not sometimes about winning. It's also about not losing. And Daniel Jones is one of those quarterbacks that when you have you know he's got the hand of the ball and he's he's going down the field or something happens during the game, more than likely that always shifts the momentum. Good, bad, right, or wrong, if you want to fault them or not for turnovers or something else, that causes this team to collapse. And I think right. if you have a competent enough quarterback to come in and play, you can then sit there and have him sneak out some wins that may eke you to five, maybe eke you to six. But that pendulum, like I said, starting with Daniel Jones, could fall below five. All right. So, to me, Dave Brown is one of the worst Giants quarterbacks ever. Dave Brown did that, have a winning season his first year, nine and six. He was nine and six, but don't forget that was largely carried by the defense because we've had, his entire career, and even during Game Canal, we had a Hall of Fame defense. Right. Where, you know, that, that our defense was that damn good. I mean, I remember Michael Strahan intercepting, intercepting a pass and running it to the end zone to win a game for us. Like, you can't really compare this team apple to oranges. But if we could go back in time and pluck Dave Brown out and t- pluck Danny Canal and put him on this team and then take Daniel, Daniel Jones and put him on that team with Jim Fossil, those teams with Jim Fossil, do we have as many wins, less wins, or more wins? Jim Fossil, what season? Jim Fossil, has, Jim Fossil also had Kerry Collins that went to the Super Bowl. I that too. But <laughs> you, you got to remember that. <laughs> I remember that. But I'm just saying the years with Danny Cannell and Dave Brown. That, those are the ones I'm pointing. Where in Giants history does Daniel Jones fall? Is he the worst quarterback in Giants history? Or, or you know, is he comparable to Dave Brown and Danny Cannell? He's Dave or Brown he's and Danny, He's Dave Brown and Danny Cannell. That's what he is. And so you're telling me that he would equal, if he had that defense that Dave Brown had, especially that that that, that first year where he made it to the playoffs because carried by defense, um, he didn't make it to the playoffs. They missed the they missed the playoffs at nine and seven that year, and that was actually under Dan Reeves. Oh, sorry, that was under. If Dan you're gonna if you're gonna get giant history, get it right. Yeah, I know. Okay, <laughs> it's been a while. I was like friggin' ten when this was going. Okay, but. What I'm saying is because I vividly remember this. Obviously, you remember it better. You're probably a season ticket holder still then. <laughs> Family was, yes. Yes. So, and that was under Dan Reeves. But I'm just saying during that era, that's one of the worst. For me, that's one of the worst Giants. That potential era yep. was one of the worst. And what, I, what I've never liked about the Giants, and we've done this in the past, is we basically take journeyman quarterbacks and we go, okay, well, this is good enough. And that's that's one of my things, but that's neither here nor there. So you're telling me that under Dan Reeves, under Jim Fossil, with those Dave Brown, Danny Cannell teams, that Daniel Jones would equal those win totals. 
in your belief? Uh, I don't know because honestly, you 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 can't again you can't compare quarterbacks in two different eras. Well, it's, I know it's, it's 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 not fair to the guys that play in the '90s, and it's not fair to Daniel Jones because in the '90s we've talked about it before. You can you can mug the wide receiver. You you, you can hold at the line within five yards. I mean, you, there's so many things that you could do, and there's so many differences. And you're talking about Daniel Jones, who is probably better athletically, because I think players are better athletically now than they were back in the '90s. And you're going to say you're going to take a better player athletically and put him on a team against guys that aren't as athletic or have the ability to do some of the things that they couldn't do in the nineties. That is all true, but I'm just saying, I want to kind of get a spectrum where you see Daniel Jones is. And that's, that's why I'm asking. I've already said, I think Daniel Jones is Dave Brown. I've said, I've said it, I've said it a million times. Dave Brown. So Daniel Jones at the very least would match win totals. At the very least. No, because you can't you can't do that because every quarterback you can first of all you can't pick a quarterback and wh- what day he's going to have what if daniel jones went on a hot streak what if daniel jones was playing well for three quarters that day that dave brown didn't if you look at the totality of their career and what they have done and how they play and what and reference to how they play on the field in regards to the decision making processes or running ability and everything else you can compare them that way but you can't compare them win loss totals because of the fact that you can't because two different players in two different periods at two different times are going to have a different litmus scale. They're going to, one's going to be up, one's going to be down. When one's up, the other one may be down. All right, so you put him at Zay Brown. So basically, bottom tier starter. Bottom tier like, starter, better than Craig Morton. Better than Craig Morton and basically a career backer. Better than Scott, I'll give him better than Scott Brenner who won a playoff game for the Giants. So if that's the case... The way I see it is, I don't give a shit who you bring in right now. It, it, it honestly does not matter. It, it actually it doesn't matter at all. But if you want to talk about the fact that if you the at the end of the day in the NFL and for your season ticket holders and for your fans, the idea is to win games. If you win, if you it's it's better to win five games than it is to win three. It's better to win seven games than there is to win five. If you can find a quarterback, and you and I've said this, and I said this in the video. If you feel that your team or your defense is is going to be competitive enough to stay and maybe in the top twenty in regards to total defenses, and your offense is what's going to hold you back. If you can find a quarterback who is comparable enough to sneak out and eke out some wins, what some people think is a weak NFC East. Hell, Washington took the division at seven and nine. So if you feel you can do that, why not look at options? And I said that in the video, why not look at options in regards to bringing in guys who could potentially give you a win where Daniel Jones couldn't, where where they could potentially not cost you a game where Daniel Jones might? And I disagree. And I disagree because I, I, I just don't see, like, I'd even put Tyrod Taylor over some of the guys you, you put. And I understand why you want some of these guys because if Tyrod Taylor gets injured, it is what it is. But and, and, that's actually, these, and that's actually what I said in the video. <laughs> injury. Just almost as bad as Daniel Jones, if not worse. But, I, but if you're going to go back to my video and tell me I contradicted myself, I even said that in the video. I said that if, you, you need, if you're relying on Tyrod Taylor, who's constantly injured, to be your guy, or Davis Webb, who's, neg- who's three rushes for negative three yards in victory formation, then you're, you're not, you know, your season's lost. 
And that's why I said, if you can find someone who can come in and be and sneak in those wins, Mason Rudolph, for all the crap that he got and all the stupidity he did in Cleveland, still has had, he's still shown that he could be a capable starter. Nick Foles won a Super Bowl. Nick Foles has shown when put in the right position, when given the opportunity, he can do something. And going back to the NFC East and having that, you know, monkey on his back with Philadelphia sitting right there could be something special for a short period of time. Jimmy G to me, I don't like Jimmy G. I never wanted Jimmy G. But if you told me I have to either have Jimmy G or Dave Brown, I'm to say Dave Brown or, or, or Daniel Jones, I'm taking Jimmy G. And to me, here's the thing. I keep this in my back of my mind, and it almost sounds like I want to tank. And people would argue that I, I do want to tank. I don't. I would like to see the Giants win more games than I thought they think they can. But at the same time, knowing the quarterback draft class, and even though I don't like the top two guys, and I think both will fail, there are better options than Daniel Jones. That's what I realized, or at least the potential. There are better potential options than Daniel Jones. And in this, you know, I used to believe, and I kind of do, that you could win with a good quarterback and a great defense. Yeah. And a solid team for years to come. Um, but it's very clear if you can have a transcendent quarterback or a great top five quarterback, you can have an average defense and a great quarterback. Of and course. you can go. Yeah, we've, and, we've talked about that. I'm not talking about, I, like I said, my big situation would be is if you're trying to sneak out wins, if you're trying to eke out wins. And to me, I, I just I view this as a lost season. I'm looking for building blocks out of this season where we can where we can sit there and say as a fan base, okay, this is what we have, this is what we're moving forward with. Let's go get our quarterback. And that, that's my attitude. And, and I don't want to more. And my I, my thing is this: I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question. I'm, let's let's say we we have a quarterback that starts ten games. And let's t- let's say he starts ten games. Let's say he goes. Uh, let, let's say let's say let's say let's make it easy. Let's say he goes five for five. You know, five wins, five losses in those ten games. And let's say he completes over sixty three percent of his passes for twenty four hundred yards, sixteen touchdowns, and eleven interceptions. Is is that is that good enough for you to be the starting quarterback for the New York Giants? There's so many factors that will go into it. I know, but no, no, but the, you you have no, to. There is so many. There's factors. all yes, there is factors, but this is in okay. the, this is in the modern era. Those are his statistics over the ten games. They went five and five. We would we, those are better numbers than Daniel Jones in a, in, a, in a ten game period. Would you be happy with those numbers if you went five and five and those were and those and that's what your quarterback was doing and his name wasn't Daniel Jones? What does he finish off with? Because ten games. I well, I'm just saying. I'm just saying ten games because I'm just I'm just throwing ten games out there. You know, I'm just, right. I'm just giving a small sample size. For, let's say, for instance, he's pushing four thousand yards, has thirty touchdowns, and well, if you seven, if, if you if you extrap if you extrapolate over seven more games, he would probably have thirty eight uh, thirty eight to four thousand yards, probably about twenty three touchdowns and seventeen interceptions. That's better than Daniel Jones, but that's that's border. That's not a franchise quarterback. No, it's not a franchise. I'm not saying it's a franchise quarterback, but that's the type of quarterback I'm talking about to come in and try to win some games. Because that 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 ten game sample was Mason Rudolph. I, I understand that was, and I mean, good job for you. But there's a reason why the Pittsburgh Steelers are going with Kenny Pickett. 
because he's a better quarterback. I agree. Or they think he's going to be a better quarterback. They, they think, they he's, think gonna be. he's going to be a better, better quarterback. But my thing is this. Like I said, in the NFL, and this is why I hate when people talk about tanking or not trying to win. In the NFL, your goal, should any sport, should always be, no matter how bad your team is, to try to win games. In some ways, I felt Joe Judge wasn't even doing that last year. Oh no! Yeah, that exactly. he that he was that he that he had given up that he had thrown the he's thrown the flag. So my thing is this, and that's why I don't think I contradicted myself at all. If you sit there and at the end of the day your goal is to win games, you have to remember. Yes, I predicted five, but like I said, that five pendulum could swing to three. And honestly, I would rather win five and show the team some competitive life than suck and win three games again. I I rather do that too because it make you feel better, but. At the end of the day, you got to weigh what's better because okay, let's say the Giants win seven games. Let's say they went out and go get the Garofalo. Okay, what do we do long term? Because Garofalo is not the long term answer, and it kinds you get starting to the point where you're spinning your wheels. But you, but you can't. Where, where you can't. Are you getting, where are you getting a quarterback? Because you want to build toward the future, but you need a quarterback, and that's where a lot of teams get stuck. Right, and that's the problem. Like, that'd be great. I'd be happy with that as a Giants fan. I could say, here's the building blocks. But now, where's my quarterback? Because Garofalo is not the answer. And you, you end up having, like, a Kirk Cousins-esque type thing where, okay, Kirk Cousins maybe good enough to make the playoffs. But, okay, the starting defensive end went down, so now we're not as good as on defense. And, okay, there you go. We're an average team year after year after year. Is average for the next 10 years good enough for you? Because you know you need that quarterback. That's but, the but here, but here's the thing: you are talking about going into the quarterback like it's uh, like it's like it's a given that you're going to hit. You're, you're going to hit. You didn't hit. You're you didn't hit on Daniel Jones. You could turn into you. you but you wait, 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 wait. You can, you didn't hit on Daniel Jones, and more than likelihood, you're going to get an Arch Leister. You're going to get a Todd Blackledge. You're going to get a Wayne Peace. You're going to get these guys that you've never heard. You're going to get a Chuck Long. You're going to get a Kelly Stoffer. These are all first-rounders. You're going to get a Chris Miller, a Steve Walsh. You're going to get a Tim Rosenbeck for you know, Jeff George. Wait, I'm not done. You can go on. We can go Andre Ware, Dan McGuire. We can go Todd Marinovich. You want to go down into the David Klingler zone or the Dave Brown zone? Or do we want to go over to Heath Schuler or the Drucken Miller or Ryan Leaf? These are all guys you can't rely on the draft. Because just because you're going to get a higher draft pick does not mean the guy you pick at six is going to be your franchise quarterback. I, you're right. But at the same breath, you can't, there's no going out and getting a guy, uh, you know, what you perceive to be a, a, a decent quarterback in the NFL and try and make a living off of this when he's already proven, he's already failed his first team. I don't believe, you know, it's nice to go get a Kerry Collins, but what did we end up doing? We ended up saying, okay, Kerry Collins, you're not good enough. We need to go find somebody. Let's go get Eli Manning. That's our guy. You know, eventually you're going to have to make that dive for the next quarterback. Do you want to do it now? Do you want to do it three years from now? Do you want to do it five, six, seven? Where do you want to do it? That's where it boils down to. At the end, at the end of the day, you have to remember Kerry Collins' last season with the Giants went four and nine. 13 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. He had already gone he had already started on a down slope after doing 10 and 6 in 2002. 
So the I mean the, the moving on for Kerry Collins, and then we signed the venerable Court Warner, of course, who was going to come in and be the the you know the guy until we got until we got Eli Manning. And you're again you're comparing apples to hand grenades because Ernie Acorsi, of course, who was over in the Colts, missed out on John Elway, and he basically got himself fired in with the Colts because John Elway said that he did not want to come to Baltimore. Ernie, of course, he did not make want to make that trade. So in 2004, when Eli Manning came up, Ernie, of course, even said in his biography, I remembered my days from the Colts because when you see your franchise guy that you think is your franchise quarterback, you have to move heaven and earth to go get him. So if the Giants finish, let's say, 7 and 10 and picking in the top, you know, picking 15, 16 overall, same thing with Ernie Acorsi. You need to move heaven and earth to go get your guy. Some people think that Ernie Acorsi overpaid with Sean Lights Out Merriam and all the draft picks and all the players and everything they gave away to San Diego. But at the end of the day, he went and got his guy and won his Super Bowl, not worrying what his draft position was. Those are all great points, but most of the quarterbacks in our our era, the top five you're looking at now. Yes, you know, we're not talking about guys that, you know, maybe Russell Wilson you can put in that category because he's with the Broncos now. Third, third round. Yeah, but most of the guys, either teams moved heaven and earth or they, they were up there and they took their guy. Can the Giants, what I'm asking, basically asking from you is, can Whoops. Hold on, hold on. I got, I got kicked out. I got. All right, for those that are on the podcast, hold on one second. Hold on one second. For those that are listening on the podcast, there, I got, I got kicked out of my own stream. <laughs> for those that were listening on the podcast, luckily, luckily none of it, luckily none of it stopped. <laughs> uh, luckily, can the Giants move heaven and earth to go get their quarterback and still be okay for the future? Sure, that's. My- no one thought that Ernie, of course, he could do it. Yeah, but you're. Again, you're going apples to apples here. Can the Giants do yeah, I'm go- uh, Yeah, I'm going apples to apples. You're right. <laughs> exactly right. Ernie Corsi, who was a New York Giant, went and got his quarterback when no one thought that he could go get Eli Manning. And he and, did what had to be done for his here, franchise. I love that in theory. Problem is, does John Mayer have the backbone to do it? It's not if John Mara has the backbone. It's if Brian Dable. Not excuse me, it's Joe Shane has the back has the backbone. No, no, Joe Shane will have the backbone. Will he be given the ample amount of time? I think he will. I don't think. I don't think they're. I think they're going to give him at least four to five years. I don't think they're moving on from him whatsoever. Because track record says no. Well, you got to remember, you they held on to Jerry Reese too long. They held on to Dave Gettleman too long. The only smart they should have held on to Pat Shermer longer, and they were smart to fire Joe Judge. And I probably would have given the McAdoo to another year, but they needed a scapegoat for the whole Eli Manning fiasco. Oh, absolutely. And that and track record—that's what worries me because I want to do this. I don't care either way if we have a top three draft pick or if we're in the top fifteen. It doesn't matter to me because to me it's a lost season. I'm looking for pieces. On this team that I can say, this is what we're moving forward with. This is what I know. And that's where we kind of have to end it. No, I want to still hear how I contradicted myself. I'm still waiting for that part. <laughs> well, I think you contradicted yourself. And even though you think you've proved, proven yourself. But, but, I, but explain to me, but explain me how I, I contradicted myself. But if talent, I don't give a sh- who the court starting quarterback is. I think the best they're going to do is five wins. But how did I contradict myself? 
because you try and go overboard on the Daniel Jones point, and I think you failed. No, but I still, I still don't. But you have to explain to me how I contradicted myself. I have still have, I still have. You have to. Evidently, I'm running slow today. I'm running DOS 2.0. How did I contradict myself? By bringing in what you believe is a marginally better quarterback, this right. team is going to be better. Yes. And I'm saying you contradicted yourself. But I'm not saying it. I'm not saying it's playoffs. I'm saying it's a difference between potentially winning or losing five games and maybe winning seven. And I'm saying I best you're going to do with regardless of what quarterback you have is five unless you're going to move heaven and earth to go get like a Patrick Mahomes and you get this like one time great deal well that's not going to happen that's not going to happen but you have to take a look at NFL history about backup quarterbacks or quarterbacks that have come in mid-season for teams and help them or propel them to win additional games and all I'm saying is I still think this is a five-win team but people even though I think it's a five-win team that five wins could be lower it could be. And it could be. It, like but I said, Daniel Jones may be a three-win quarterback. So if I can get a quarterback that can get me to my five-win threshold as a season ticket holder, as a fan, I would rather win. I'm not. I'm not one of these guys that says don't try to win, because if you don't try to win, why are you even playing? I don't care if you. I don't care. Going back to Pop Warner, I was on bad teams. I mean, we were bad, you know, yeah, we may have been nine and 10, but we were terrible. But you know what? You still went out and competed. You still went out and tried to win. So if the theory is we're not going to try to win games because of the fact that we have Daniel Jones, that's bull. At the end of the day, the NFL franchise, and I can tell you this firsthand, I was there when John Gruden had his two worst seasons coming off a Super Bowl. And I can tell you, nobody worked harder than John Gruden. During those two seasons after that Super Bowl, people forget he almost got fired two years after the Super Bowl. But the whole thing in Tampa was, even though they had issues, even though they had Chris Sims at quarterback, even though they had these problems, their whole goal was to try to win games. And when it wasn't until Bruce Allen came in and turned everything around, but the whole goal, either way, when they were bad and they knew they were going to be bad because they had salary cap issues and they got rid of Warren Sapp and a whole bunch of things, the goal at the end was still to win as many games as possible. To squeak them out, even though you may only win an extra an additional one or two games, I would rather win six games than win five. I would like to win more games, but I just right now, you know, unless it's a lucky bounce, I just I it doesn't matter. You know, marginally better quarterbacks aren't I you know, again, you can go back to Nick's Wolves issue, but a lot of these quarterbacks that came in there, I think they're, they were working with better, arguably better talent than any of these marginally better quarterbacks. I believe Mason Rudolph has, with those wins and, and what you, the example you gave was working with better talent on those Steeler teams than he would be if he went and came to the Giants. And that's why I'm saying I, I don't think it matters. I think five wins tops is the best this team's going to do even with a marginally better quarterback than Daniel Jones. Could this team be worse with Daniel Jones than five wins? It's a potential. It really is a potential because you don't know what you're getting. It, I think you're going to need to get, you know, dead average Daniel Jones for a consistent amount of team. And the problem is you don't know what Daniel Jones you're going to get. And right now it looks like you might have a two to three win team if Daniel Jones continues to struggle. I agree. And that's my thing. Why not bring in a quarterback who could potentially offer more opportunities to win games and maybe move away from those three wins and keep you at the five? And maybe, but again, these guys are marginally guys with injury history, and you, you could still be looking to the two, three win season. You could be looking at a when flop. when Nick Foles 
went in for Philadelphia for Carson Wentz. He had already failed in in as a starting quarterback with the Rams. He had basically gone to Kansas City to resurrect his career with Andy Reid because he was basically almost out of the league. No one thought anything that Nick Foles could do, that Nick Magic could come in and make a difference when Carson Wentz went down. And I think, and I, I just, I just have this feeling he's wearing some kind of big ring. He is. You're right. <laughs> and people go on magical runs. I mean, you know, Trent Dilfer can get carried to a Super Bowl win too. But you Trent, know, but Trent Dilfer got carried by a defense, and he was one. He is the only NFL starting quarterback in the Super Bowl ever to be, not be on the team the next season. <laughs> Very true. But so that's not a, that's not a good point to bring up. <laughs> the other thing is, why can't Davis Webb do that? Because you know Davis saying? Webb right now has no body of work. Davis yeah. Reb, right now, his body works is two rushes for negative three yards. But who's giving him a shot? If you if you have enough, the Giants tried to give him a shot. The Jets, the Jets tried to give him a shot. Ben McAdoo, doo doo, that hated Davis Webb, gave him a shot. Really? Yeah. And then he also went to the Jets and he bounced around a lot of places. You know, if you're a journeyman quarterback who's never played, there's a reason why you're third string. There is a reason why you're third string, but there's another reason why, you know, the Bears, you know, Nick Foles had his second chance to resurrect, second, third, fourth, fifth chance to resurrect his career. It's the reason why he's a career backup. Okay. You went on one magical run. Congratulations. How many magical runs has Daniel Jones gone on? Zero. Exactly. So I'd rather have the guy who's got a a little. What's that? How many magical runs have I gone on? Zero. You don't play in the NFL. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. So it doesn't matter. You don't play. It's a, it's a lot harder to go to Magical Run when you don't play in the NFL. I have to admit, I like the pink shorts. No, they're not pink. They're orange. Well, they're orange. <laughs> it's like he's flat. I was like, OGR Sports is flashing now. Yes, I'm flashing. Guys. We've gone a little too long here because it's already an hour and nine minutes. We're going to have to wrap this show up. This is a debate for another day. This is Tim. This is OGR Sports. This is 312-1, bringing you all the fun stuff for the New York Giants 2020 season. Look out for our podcast on a weekly basis once the season gets underway. Again, this is Tim. This is OGR, bringing you the best that we can. And you know what? We're going to see you and talk to you next week. Peace out, everyone. Peace out.